Welcome to the Truth for Doubt podcast, where we like to talk about theology, apologetics, and try to have a little fun along the way. Join us as we navigate through life from a Christian worldview. Welcome back to the Truth for Doubt podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, Dr. Ethan. You hey, look like a doctor Reverend right Michael. Now. You don't look like a reverend. Yeah, no, I definitely don't. I look like a, <laughs> Although you are look like wearing, a schmuck. You're wearing a Matthew 514. Yeah, so shout out t-shirt. to uh, Tasha Burns. This is a t-shirt that she was selling for, uh, I think, when she was coming over to Germany. I could be wrong, so okay. sorry, Tasha, if I get that completely backwards. It's a dark world. Be the light. Yeah, that's what it says. With three light bulbs With three on light it. bulbs on it. It's awesome. I like, I like the, the color. I do, too. Yeah. And you can't beat a long sleeve t-shirt. You really can't. Yeah. Except in the summertime. Even then. Even then? I, I still... I, I still die of a heat every, every so often. I'll, I'll you wear long sleeve t-shirts in the summertime. Not consistently, but, you know, if everything else is dirty or something and you, you get to the bottom of the drawer and it's a long sleeve oh, t-shirt. Oh, so it's like out of necessity, not out of, like, it's summertime, so I want to wear a long sleeve well, t-shirt. Well, it depends on how well it fits and if I'm in the mood <laughs> for it. So... <laughs> Lacey, so Lacey, the um, word Lacey uses for that is yeah. extra. She says that I'm a little extra. You're extra? Oh, yeah. like a little, you're being a little too much. Is that yeah, what that means? I think that's what that means. I've noticed hanging out with your wife is that she's way more hip than I will ever be in my life. She's pretty hip. She's really hip. Yeah. 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 And I'm glad that people like, uh, like you and Lacey are in my life to elevate my knowledge of <laughs> hip lingo. Because I don't, I don't know. Oh. It. There's a guy in Ireland that uh-huh. uh, we worked with uh, in the church plant there. Okay. Uh, his name's Luke, and I think he listens to this podcast. So, oh. so What's up, hey, Luke? Luke? Yeah, we have listeners in Ireland, which is really cool. That, that awesome? is really cool. And in Germany. International. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Uh, Romania as well, Caleb. That's right. At least he better be listening. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so Luke, he was a youth pastor for a little while okay. in the States, and he was the exact same way. He knows all of the, the hip lingo and knew what... Oh, man, what's that word? It's like when you start a fire. What do you do with paper when you're trying to start a fire? Yeah, light it. Oh, lit, lit, lit. Oh, lit. Yeah, he used lit, and <laughs> I really it. didn't know what it meant. And I was like, that's... Yeah. Lit, did, did. <laughs> it's a lit thing. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so. it's... I guess I'm up to date with that kind of stuff. I don't yeah, know. I think I think you are. At least Lacey is. So maybe Lacey she's is like trying to drag you along with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, her down. she's she's more she's much more hip than I am. Yeah. I'm kind of an old man. I tend to be a little extra with with clothes and extra. stuff. So funny. <laughs> a little extra. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, I stopped a conversation that we were having right before we started the podcast, so that we would yes. talk about it. We're like right now on the podcast. Right. And I've already forgotten what we were talking about. So we were talking about actually being bold enough to speak the things. Oh, yeah. That's right. That you do believe to be truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were having the conversation about how doing this podcast has made me realize that I actually need to stand up for the things that I believe in. Right. And not be not be afraid of the truth, basically. Because it's recorded now. Yeah, exactly. You can't take it back. Yeah. And there are things that may, may be unbelievably offensive to people such as what we were talking last podcast about like intersectional politics mm-hmm. and, and how i believe that it is a horrible thing constantly claiming this victim mentality and all this kind of stuff and, yeah. and 
believing that people have different levels of value based off of things that are immutable, like skin color and gender and things like that. Anyway, and I think that's a horrible thing because everyone is completely the equal amount of value because we're all made in the image of God. Um, But anyway, so going against intersectional politics can be really, like, dicey. And so... Because that's like the new thing out there now. Right, yeah. Yeah. But it it started making me think about the gospel because the gospel is the most offensive thing to unbelievers because we are telling them that they're not fine the way that they are. They are dead in their sin. They need a savior. Mm -hmm. And they have to humble themselves, repent of that sin, and put their faith in Christ. And that is... Like that, that's a hard message and that's a hard truth. Right. And it's funny how me saying that I don't get as like anxious or worried as I do about going against identity politics. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Huh. So, cause I'm a stupid, stupid person. Well, I am too. Because I, I feel like I, I err on the side of, I, I feel like you're much bolder than I am. I don't know about that. I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. yeah because I, I i'm very hesitant to speak anything definitively because i don't want to be wrong sure i don't want to come out on the wrong side of that right you know years down the road yeah when i'm running for office i don't want someone to pull up this podcast and be like look he said this really offensive thing yeah it's, um, it's forcing us I mean, to that's actually... kind of a joke but yeah. but it's also Sort of what goes through my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's forcing us to actually not have opinions. I mean, we have opinions, but it's... But, it, like, solidify your opinions. Exactly. Like, if you say, believe... I believe in this, and this is what I'm going to stand for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I like, I need like I need that push. Right. Because I don't... I'm very much... I, I just... I'm very much mm-hmm. not like that. Unopinionated. Well, it's a... But I have opinions. It's a huge cultural thing to, to not be that way to not actually stand firm in a particular belief mm-hmm. because if you do that then you're you know labeled as uh closed-minded and stuff right. you know, that's the and whole that's, postmodern mindset right of, and that's that line that like i so much want to walk mm-hmm. like i i want to be that person who is who has these who has convictions and isn't afraid to put those out there right but with love Absolutely. you know like not not as not attacking but also not afraid to put them out there, you know? Yeah. And I think we have to be willing to go through that persecution if it comes, specifically with the gospel, because we often want to express the gospel in the most loving and unoffensive way possible. Right. And, and we way, err on that side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in a way that, that that's true, and that's something that we should do, but not at the cost of watering down of the gospel watering or anything it down. like that. Exactly. The, the yeah. only thing that should be offensive is the actual gospel message itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find 5,000 articles written on that. But I think we, in the West, we often think that we can express the gospel and still avoid any sort of blowback whatsoever. Right. And that's just not true, man. I mean, like, the, the man who expressed the gospel in the most perfect way possible it was hung on a cross. Yeah. And we should not expect any anything less. different. Yeah, like, it's, which is, but it's scary. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's really scary. That's that's yeah. that little voice that's on the inside saying like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, because we're so we're more worried about our social capital than we are about yeah losing it all for the gospel. Yeah, that's a sad thought, but it's a reality, and it's one that we have to fight every day 
against yeah. valuing our social status more than the eternities of the person that we're speaking with. Yeah. We're really coming in strong this morning. I know. I know. Because <laughs> usually we say that you'll fast forward 15 minutes to yeah. get to the heady stuff. But I mean, this is... Yeah, well, I it, mean, this is kind of the conversation we're having before. Yeah, you we know. kind of cheated. We should have we should have been recording a long time ago because we just had a cool conversation. Which we could come back around to it, maybe. Yeah. Do you want to have <laughs> sure. that conversation? Why again? not? Why not? Uh, okay. So, well, question: Does this interrupt yeah. what you had? You can cut all of this. Oh, out it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Yeah, like I, I had a plan, but my plan was so feeble because usually we do these podcasts like two weeks separate from each other mm-hmm. but because of time restraints and stuff we had to do two almost back to back so right yeah right. okay we didn't have as much time to prepare so let's do what we want this podcast and people have to listen anyway. there aren't any rules no there are no rules do you remember that <laughs> domino's commercial where the guy the guy i can't remember the whole thing was like you can make whatever pizza you want or something like that and the guy who was buying the pizza in the domino shop was like there are no rules and he like ripped off his shirt and then he was <laughs> like put your shirt back on and i don't like, remember that there's one rule this podcast there are no rules there are no rules ethan put your shirt back on <laughs> I, I was just about to say i, I was pizza just trying to, to tell you that so the thing that we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> so what we were talking about off air earlier yeah i guess is how to navigate certain conversations. Yeah, right? because one of the things that I have always struggled with, and this like, man, this goes all the way back to like when I was a kid and then uh, middle school and high school. Because I mean, and this comes con- right up. This comes to right up till today. Right up till it, today, it, for me at least, because oh, well, I still me too. really struggle with conversations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, because I mean, contrary to popular belief, I was not the coolest kid in school. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a popular belief whatsoever. <laughs> But you, you do still wear the nerd crown. I do. It's still on my head right now. But yeah, having conversations with people was something that always caused me anxiety and uh, was always super nerve wracking to me. I was, I've always been more on the introverted side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So like even in, so I had a lot of friends in high school, a lot of wonderful friends in high school. But if I was in a class with people I didn't know or with without my core group of friends or something like that, I I was the guy that just sat in the back, sat quietly, didn't really interact with other people. Mm-hmm. So reaching out and making friends was something that was, it was just physically exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's still even true now, even though God has brought me a long way from, from where I was. Mm-hmm. But so I, I realized when I was getting into apologetics, when I was realizing that I wanted to be a church planter and all this all this kind of stuff, that... I just, I had to get better at conversations. And then I had to learn, I guess, certain tactics, for lack of a better word. Yeah. In order to be able to build bridges to the gospel, um, not come off as awkward as I usually do. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, that's still a daily struggle. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, my wife can attest to that wholeheartedly. <laughs> so the way that I, the way that I, I wooed my wife was to ignore her for the first like six months that we knew each other. Oh, that's that was, the way to do it. It's always my tactics with the ladies. I found that if you just pretended they didn't exist, then uh, then they come to you. <laughs> that's how attractive Which, you were. Oh <laughs> nope, not not one bit. So, uh, but anyway, so like I, I realized that I I had to put some legwork into learning all these different things and trying right. to figure out how to do it. 
So I don't, is that something that you struggle with? Because you seem so easy to talk to and so more socially normal than me. Well, <laughs> so. so so I I I don't struggle with having conversation. Yeah, that's something that is. I guess natural to me, and I don't think that it always was. <laughs> I have this vivid memory of the talking to the girl that I went on my first date with, mm-hmm. talking to her on the telephone, and I I use the word talking very loosely because I like I remember again vividly just sitting there in silence on the phone, trying so hard to think of what to say. Yeah, that one's yours. Michael's about to drink out of my coffee. <laughs> um, trying so hard to think of what to say. And like, words just didn't come. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it wasn't something that always was natural to me. But I think playing music and mm-hmm. leading worship and getting more comfortable talking, at least in front of a crowd, it's just much easier to have a one-on-one conversation now. But that being said... Where I still super duper struggle is having gospel conversations because or conversations about spiritual things because I can give my opinion or someone may ask like on on my last hospital shift, someone literally asked me, "Hey, Ethan, you're a Christian, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then they continued on with their like side conversation and and I felt like I needed to say something else because mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, what an opportunity. But, like, the words just weren't there. Right. Like, I didn't know where to go. And so I just slid back over to my desk and kept working. But, like, that's happened to me so many times. Yeah. Where, I, like, either there's an opportunity or, like, I feel this this space mm-hmm. where that could be, that conversation could be. But I don't know sort of where to, how to get like there. Like, how to make that bridging point. Right, to like right. connecting point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think one of the traps that, Christians often fall into when it comes to evangelism is have you ever heard of the list of five it's it's a thing that a lot mm-hmm. of churches do but they always talk about or five not points always. of Calvinism <laughs> no not that <laughs> uh, that's a different podcast I'll talk about that all day and uh, Luke from Ireland he would love that podcast okay he loves Calvinism yeah not really <laughs> Oh my gosh, we should have him on. Well, we should. And then we I, could have dude, a real I conversation love, about I miss that. that guy a lot. So the list of five. The list of five was this thing that um, some churches were pushing where you, you want to have a list of five unbelieving people in your life and you want to be praying for them and you want to be specifically praying for opportunities that God would present for you to share the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a good thing. And that's something that you should be doing and that you should be praying for. Mm-hmm. But I think often we get into this trap of um, when we think about this list of five is praying for God to just open up these just obvious avenues to conversation. And we become passive participants in that. When in reality, what we are supposed to do is is be active participants in finding those Right. news to the gospel yeah and so i think that one of the things that we need to pray is yes god present us with opportunities to share the gospel mm-hmm. but sometimes more than that we need to be praying what the uh, apostles prayed in acts i'm wanting to say two but that may not be right but anyway so, uh, some of the apostles went to the synagogue and they you know were preaching and then they ended up getting beat and chastised and all this stuff and they were like thrown out and instead of being like oh let's just never do that again they instead they worshiped god and and praised god that they had the ability to be persecuted for his namesake yeah and then they had this prayer of boldness 
And in this prayer of boldness, they were just asking God, give us the boldness to be preaching even more yeah. boldly. And and what stands out to me from that is that decisiveness in their mindset. Because I, I know, and, and I, I may not be speaking for you, but I feel like if me or you went somewhere and one had the boldness and the courage to do that and then got that response, I, I, I would naturally be like questioning, be like, mm-hmm. Was that the right thing to do? Should I have even been saying those things? And like, I, I would immediately start questioning. But it, it seems like you know they they were they just had this decisiveness of like, yeah. no, like this is the gospel, like this is the truth, and 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 we we have to continue to preach this. And and I, I just somehow that there's like a disconnect there in today's yeah, culture, right? Um, yeah, and it, it's so strange because they. Well, it's not strange. It really makes sense because they, they saw their persecution not as a sign from God that they're doing the wrong thing, but they saw it as an affirmation from God that they were doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, because they praised God that we were, they were able to be persecuted for his namesake. Yeah. And I mean, Paul talks about that all the time in his right. letters. But they their their main prayer was was for boldness to share the gospel, not that God presented them with opportunities to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of need to... I guess take our cue from them and yes, pray still keep praying that, you know, God gives you opportunities to share the gospel, but we need to be praying almost more for boldness to just do it and right. to make those avenues happen. Mm-hmm. So w- one of the ways that, that I've found that's helped me a lot and that I, I help hopes, you know, people who are listening um, is by using the, uh, <laughs> did I say that weird? You said, I help hopes. Oh, did I? Re- yeah. Oh my gosh. No, you're man. good. It's, we usually record this at night, which is like, that's my time, man. I'm yeah, a night yeah. owl, but we're doing it in the morning this time around. Which is my time. Which so. is your time. So you're, man, you're on You're point. my house I now. Am, I'm sleepy boy. <laughs> so uh, continue. I, I didn't mean to <laughs> no, interrupt no, you. But. I'm glad you did. <laughs> that was, man, anyway. Uh, so one of the things that helps me actually create bridges to the gospel and helps me recognize the times where, yes, I need to say something here because that's an obvious opening for me, mm-hmm. um, is by using the five biggest questions that every single worldview has to answer okay, uh, or does answer whether they recognize it or not. So right. um, for those listening who may not know what a worldview is, because you hear that word you know thrown around a lot. Yeah. But and in apologetics, I feel like it's super important to define all these terms. Yeah, exactly. Uh so a worldview is basically the filter that you use to interpret the world around you. Mm-hmm. So every everyone has a worldview. Every single person has one. For us as Christians, everything that we see uh, within the world, we filter it through the knowledge and understanding of God. We mm-hmm. filter it through our understanding of, of our calling here on this earth. Everything is filtered through our Christianity. And right. the same thing goes for an atheist. The same thing goes for an agnostic and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a worldview. And each worldview has to answer five extremely important questions. Mm-hmm. The first one is origin. So, you know, where do we come from? Okay. The next is morality. Is there anything such as objective morality? Good um, and bad. Yeah, good okay. and evil. What is your view of good and evil? The next is ultimate reality, which is basically, is the physical world all there is, or is there something metaphysical? Is there something spiritual? Okay. The next is purpose. Does life have purpose, or are we just here for no reason? Mm-hmm. Um, so a good contrast there would be like, you know, atheism would say that, well, no, we're just here by chance. There's no real purpose to life. Mm-hmm. And then Christianity would say, well, you know, our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Lastly is destiny. Um, what happens when we die? 
Okay, so origin, origin, mor- morality, yeah, morality. ultimate reality, mm-hmm. purpose, and destiny. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And so I feel like I should be taking notes. Well, you, you should. Or you should come to my evangelism class. You yeah. Know, little I, heathen. So it's been. A, I, I absolutely. I have that thought every few days. I'm like, I need to go through. <laughs> I need to go through his class, but I haven't started it yet. Oh, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, well, I mean, I'm going to be gone for two weeks, so it's going to be on a hiatus for a little bit, mm-hmm. but. Continue that. But anyway, anyway, that's not important. So each worldview has to answer these five questions. And then when they answer these five questions, they are put through a test of truth. But for right now, we want to use those five questions as entry points to conversations of the gospel. Okay. So you can do that in, in a variety of ways because these questions come up all the time. Yeah, all five this is of these really questions good. All, uh, always come up. Right. So for instance, with origin. The you know where did the universe come from? You can use any sort of talk about about nature in order to tie it back to the creator and mm-hmm. start having these conversations. Um, for morality, I mean things come up all the time in regards to good and evil. I mean mm-hmm. just look at the news. There's always something about what this politician did was was evil and wrong, and he should be thrown out. And we can use opportunities like that to to ask like well, what do you think about good and evil like how do you how do you personally decide what is right and wrong like what do you base it off of right and then we can share with them what we base it off of yeah what was the next one ultimate reality so this yeah. one's kind of funny with ultimate reality this one may sound a little bit more difficult but you kind of have to think outside the box with this one mm-hmm. so I was having a, a conversation with with an unbelieving friend of mine and the topic of ghosts randomly came up. Okay. I don't know if we were like talking about Scooby Doo or or what it was, or maybe yeah. like our conversation earlier where we were talking about Casper, right, uh, before the podcast, <laughs> uh, which was a really funny conversation. But we just randomly started having this conversation about ghosts, and I was able to use that to piggyback off of that conversation into a conversation about God because I ended up asking him. Well, I thought that you know you were you were more atheistic leaning. So what do you? Th- think ghosts are like do you think that these are real do you think that these are actual like spirits of dead people like what what is your opinion on on this whole thing because it sounds like you believe in ghosts mm-hmm. and so he gave me an answer that i don't really remember what it was now but i was able to tell him what i thought ghosts were and i was able to use that conversation as a gateway to having a gospel conversation and then it's just so strange how how these just random conversations can happen and if we're looking out for them we can use those conversations to piggyback into into other conversations yeah. about the gospel. That's really good. Sorry, so you, we've made it through ultimate reality. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's I'm continue. Uh, so what are we on now? So it's purpose. Purpose. This one is, I think, one of the easiest, honestly, because in in our society, we have people who are struggling to find purpose all the time. Right. Everyone's looking, everyone's looking for something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you have so many people who can't find the meaning to life in, well, what's a better way to put that? You have so many people trying to find their purpose in life through their job, right. through you know artistic expression, right. through all. Or, of th- or would another word be value? Yeah, exactly. people find their their value right. in society. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and and well, not only just value, but but meaning, just their mm-hmm. their entire meaning to life. Because a lot of, I think we sometimes devalue the importance of living your life with a understanding that it is going somewhere and that it has a, a function and that it has with a, a mer- meta narrative. Exactly. With a meta narrative, an overarching story. Yeah. And 
everyone is trying to find that and everyone comes up with different conclusions that are built off on foundations of sand ultimately yeah because if you're talking with like a star athlete who finds his entire purpose of life in his athletic ability and suddenly that's taken away mm-hmm. what do they do their entire purpose to life their entire um like you said like their entire self-worth is just gone mm-hmm. and uh and you don't have to look at star athletes who who've had tragic accidents you can look at people who just around you who've lost their jobs and they're struggling with trying to figure out what they're supposed to do now that their that their thing is is gone right or you have people who are stuck in dead-end jobs who are just wondering if that's it is like is this all there is to life Mm -hmm. and so if we're looking out for that we can we can come up to them and we can uh sympathize with them and and tell them that you know the purpose to life is so much more than just this job it's so much more than working a nine to five that's just that's just something that you do. It's not something that you are. Right. And so being able to use purpose, the purpose of life, as as a gateway to gospel conversations is yeah. unbelievably effective. Mm-hmm. And then last is destiny. You know, what happens when you die? I think this is one where you have to use a little bit more tact and be a little cautious with how you say things because you can absolutely use tragic events in the person's life to to have that gospel conversation because i mean people are you know they're wrecked when a loved one dies you know mm-hmm. and they feel like all hope is lost or or they just you know spiral down into a depression you can explain to them that you know there there's man there's there's something more after this it's not it doesn't just end here yeah and christ wants to he wants to save you and he wants to bring you with him into eternity mm-hmm. and obviously you have to you have to be very sensitive and very tactful when you are using that uh, as an opportunity for the gospel because right. i mean they just lost a loved one and you don't want to like yeah. take yeah. advantage of the situation speaking in a, of in a, death yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah there's there's a good way that you can right. do it but there's also a horrible way that you could do it as yeah, well yeah yeah we'll just push them further away right well and i feel like that one really really relates back to the rea- like ultimate reality one it, it, in my mind those are kind of one in the same because it's mm-hmm. like destiny mm-hmm. it's as far as what happens after you die mm-hmm. it, it, in my mind that's more more or less the same question as the ultimate reality it's oh like, yeah is this it or right. is there more of a spiritual supernatural realm if that's the right term yeah yeah well they're yeah they're just basically different flavors of the same thought right right but yeah no that's really good this is see this is good having some structure Mm -hmm. of of some good sort of entry points right well yeah yeah, little connecting bridges yeah absolutely conversations i think it's i think it's absolutely fine to i guess to be purposeful of how you approach these situations because i think we often over spiritualize this kind of thing. We mm-hmm. think that gospel conversations are something that should just be uh, not just completely spirit led because they should be spirit led, but that if they don't come up randomly on their own, then they're not from God. That can sometimes be their thought, yeah, uh, or be a thought. And we can assume that if we plan ahead, if we think of ways that we can talk with people. Uh, we learn conversational tactics, then we are getting in the way of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, which is which is wrong. It, I think that's completely wrong. It. I think that a good example of or a good parallel example would be a sermon. Take a pastor who is creating a sermon. Mm-hmm. Would he be a responsible orator of the word if he did not prepare a sermon? If he didn't, no. um, 
go back to uh, you know the, the original Greek language with some of the words that he's struggling with, if he didn't uh, structure his sermon in a cohesive way, if he didn't use correct exegesis, if he didn't do all these things in order to, to create a good sermon, right. he would not be doing what he needed to do as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the same thing holds true with gospel conversations and evangelism. Yeah. We have to be prepared and ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Totally. And, you know, that's part of it. Yeah. So what would you say to a person who says, well— that's in a way like could that be that that in a way could be construed as being almost manipulative wanting to manipulate a conversation into starting a conversation only with the intent of leading it to the gospel instead of actually being interested in the person that you're talking to sure because and and i I say that hypothetically but really it's a thought that i've had yeah especially uh so in college there were several students from the BCM who every, I don't know, once a week, they would just walk around campus and start conversations and just have, you know, ask questions and kind of practice some of this stuff. And now I I feel like I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. I think because I understand it a little bit more. But at the time, I remember I went once or twice and it was so uncomfortable to me because it felt like, we were just coming up to these people who were a group of two or three people eating lunch, having their own conversations, you know, enjoying their time together. And I felt like we were coming out of the blue, invading these people's day, and then purposefully sort of probing them with questions to get them to answer so that we could... It just felt... It sure. just It just didn't feel right. So what is your response to that? Was I right for feeling that way? Was I wrong for I feeling think, that way? <sighs> Okay, so it's... It, and I it, realize, and I'm just curious what your take on right, this is. Right, right. So, I mean, it kind of goes along with this whole, like, street evangelism idea and mm-hmm. things like that as well. Because with, with the thing that you're describing, it sounds like you're not really going into the these conversations with the purpose of starting a relationship. You're just going with this idea of you, you have a thing that you want to share. You're going to ask them a couple probing questions, and then you're going to give them your spiel. Is yep. that is that kind of what went yep, on? Yep, exactly. Um, I think, I mean, that can be something that puts rocks in people's shoes in a good way, makes them think about mm-hmm. certain things. I, I personally don't always think that that's the best way to do it. I think if you're having a spontaneous conversation with someone at like a grocery store or something that you bump into and you just happen to have this conversation, I think that's mm-hmm. fine and I think that can that can be a good thing. Right. Um, and to, to be able to share. Or somebody that right. you're sitting next to on an airplane. Standing in line at the grocery store. Or standing. Um, More so, in these natural situations. Exactly, right. Yeah. When, you're, when you're not really going to see this person again, that can be an absolutely perfect time to do that. Mm-hmm. But if that is your main mode of evangelism i don't always think that that's necessarily the best mm-hmm. um and people can disagree with me it's fine but i think that most people in in our situations who are you know who who live in one place who work the same job and stuff the mm-hmm. best way to do it is to try to have relationships with people and try to understand the other person's worldview first before you bring them the gospel. I mean, you can have the gospel conversation, your very first conversation, and yeah, that's awesome. Right. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of times people want to do is they don't really care about the other person's worldview at all. Um, they don't really care about them necessarily. They just realize that they have the gospel and they need to share it, which is true and which is 
uh, good to an extent. Mm -hmm. But if we just go into these conversations with like, hey, I've got the answer for you. doesn't matter what you think. I have this. And I'm just gonna leave it here and yeah. walk away. Like it felt like we were just walking around, like shooting people with little gospel darts. Yeah, like, you know. Right, right. So, and I, I don't always think that that is that's the best way to do it. Yeah. So I, I guess that's that's kind of my answer to it. I think the best way to have these conversations is by mostly doing more asking questions and listening. Yeah. And and asking pointed questions uh, about what they actually believe about things. And I think that's one of the best way to to also guide conversations as well. So right. once you once you have used those five questions that all worldviews have to answer, you know, a good way to to guide those conversations is by learning how to listen and listen well, and then by asking more questions than you give answers. Yeah, because questions will allow you to not only get to know the person better it lets them know that you actually care about the things that that they believe in right it helps you to understand where they're coming from their worldview but then at the same time if you're asking pointed questions and the right questions Mm -hmm. it also gets them to thinking about their own worldview right yeah yeah because i think what a lot of people do is when they go into conversations before they before they've listened well then they often go into these conversations with ready-made assumptions mm-hmm. about the person's worldview. And yeah. they end up answering questions that the unbeliever doesn't have. I guess a good example of it is is myself. So I went into a conversation one time with someone who is an atheist. Mm-hmm. And like I'd done a lot of studying. I knew you know what atheists thought about, uh, about those five questions. And so I started having a conversation with the atheist. And turns out he does not believe in what's called biological determinism, which means that you know all of your actions and stuff are mapped out. And he didn't believe that whatsoever. He ended up believing in a, like in a type of karma, almost, which is a highly metaphysical concept. Yeah, which yeah. goes completely against an atheistic worldview. But I went into this conversation and I made these assumptions, and it ended up hindering my ability to have a good gospel-centered conversation because mm. I, I made a wrong assumption because you, I didn't listen. You first. had already answered those questions about him for him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we can't necessarily think we know everything about this person based off of the ism they say they believe in. Yeah. And so we need to be able to ask good questions, listen well, because in that listening, we will start finding those bridges to the gospel. Yeah. So, so I guess one of those questions that you can uh, that you can ask to start with is is by simply asking for clarification. Right, right. A lot of times, this will help them dive deeper into their own beliefs, and it's almost like using the Socratic method of you know asking for clarification after clarification after clarification until you've almost reduced their own beliefs into absurdity because they may get to the point where they don't really understand why they believe certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example with this um, with this atheist who believed in the type of karma um, eventually once I reoriented myself and we had another conversation um, I was able to ask him for clarification what he meant about believing in karma and uh, so so I asked him you know what do you mean karma? And he said, well, you know, I believe that when somebody does something good, you know, something good will happen to him later down, down the road. And then when something bad happens, well, he'll reap that reward as well. And I was like, okay, so can you clarify that for me? So like, what, what is this like metaphysical thing that divvies out the rewards and punishments? And he was just like, 
you know, I don't really know. It's just like this thing that this this force out there that's kind of doing this. And I was like, okay, so is it is it more like the Buddhist version or the Hindu version of karma? And he became even more unsure about what he thought, and mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't quite a hundred percent sure how this exactly worked in his own mind. I asked for more clarification, and I said, do do you think this? really works with your atheism because atheism you know they don't really necessarily believe in anything metaphysical and what you're describing is something that would be metaphysical right and that really made him stop and think because he never really considered that what he all of his beliefs didn't actually adhere to one another yeah and i was able to show him the contradictions not by not by pointing it out by me saying hey that's a contradiction you did that wrong Mm -hmm. but by asking questions and letting him come to these discoveries almost on his own in a way right inception in yeah exactly i went into his (laughs) dreams and like made him realize that this was wrong yeah no Um, but that's i mean that's really i mean that's awesome And, and i mean i feel like that really is almost like counseling like when you talked to Clay Elliott, the mm-hmm. Christian counselor, several podcasts back, that was something that I, w- I would be curious to hear his answer to. And you guys might have covered this. It's been a little while since yeah, I listened to that. I don't remember. But I, I would be curious about like what counseling sort of tactics we can use in right, apologetics. Yeah. Because it, it really, from from my understanding of counseling, you know, counselors almost do the exact same thing mm-hmm. you know they ask mm-hmm. you questions yeah and 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 they they sort of have you uncover and and do a lot of the self-investigation on your own and mm-hmm. and you and it kind of leads to these conclusions that you make yeah, yeah um, absolutely and it's just really interesting that yeah i mean you, we really can do the same thing in apologetics right and that's what's that's the beauty of questions is that it leads people to dive deeper into their own thoughts yeah what do you mean by that dive deeper into their own thoughts. So like with with this guy that I've I've been talking about, Mm -hmm. by asking questions, I forced him to confront these, I guess, axioms that he had about life. Okay. uh, Or these preconceived truths that he thought that he held on to about the way he perceived the world and how it worked. Yeah. And by me asking him questions about that, it forced him to confront those axioms and test if they were true within his own framework. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So when I asked him about karma, Mm -hmm. he had to describe it. He had to explain what he meant by it. Mm -hmm. He had to then intellectually dissect it and see if it made any sense. Right. And I forced him to confront his beliefs and to ask questions about his beliefs that he may have never asked himself before. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, totally. (laughs) It totally works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I, I just asked you, what do you mean by that? Like a couple of times in a row. Ah, got and, it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing that to it, to mess with you, but it, it, it's a great You're way to, to have use a, my own tactics <laughs> against me. It's a great way to have a conversation yeah, because, no, it really yeah, is. I mean, you went deeper in dis- in describing this. Yeah, and, exactly. I mean, yeah, it was. Anyways, yeah. and it shows. I mean, it, so uh, not only that, but it can show interest in in letting people know that you again that you you're you, interested you really in what they think about what they think, and you right. want and you want to know. And again, it's a good way to point out contradictions in people's worldviews without you know being too abrasive. Yeah, because yeah. they're kind of pointing it out themselves without without the classic. What do you think? What do you think about this? And right. then when they give you their input, you say, "Okay, well, here's what I think about it." Yeah. And then it's sort of like you're 
right off the bat sort of coming against them in some weird way. I don't know. Um, And that's kind of what was happening back in college. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just felt weird. But I really like the idea of asking more probing questions. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's just better. Yeah. It's just better. Well, I mean, here's another cool thing about the the asking for clarification is that it can it can um, clarify no yeah so crazy <laughs> enough clarification uh, but no it can actually disarm accusations leveled against Christianity mm. and so this is something that I think is really helpful for people who are worried that someone is going to say something that they don't know how to answer uh-huh. so a good example of this is somebody saying that it's irrational to believe in God mm-hmm. so often the first thing that we as Christians want to do is is jump to God's defense, right? We want to say, no, that's not right. right. You know, belief in God is rational. And here is reasons one, two, three, and four right. as to why it's rational. But another thing that you can say is, is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Why, why do you think it's irrational to believe in God? Can you clarify that point for me? Yeah. What happens is that unbelievers and believers are, are very guilty of this as well. Mm-hmm. Extremely guilty of this. But they will just yell out platitudes like belief in God is irrational. And it's nothing more than a, a bumper sticker slogan that they feel is a um, the ace up their sleeve. And by saying that, then they've won the argument. Uh, so these uh, atheists will use these kind of bumper sticker slogans like uh, it's irrational to believe in God without actually having a reason for why it's irrational to believe in God. I see. I yeah, see. Does that make okay. any sense? Sorry, yes. I did a bad job of explaining yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, that's I'm following. Yeah. So, so being able to ask for clarification can, can honestly, they can, it can disarm some of the accusations because it shifts the burden of proof back onto them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They have to provide the evidence as to why they believe it's irrational. Why they're making this statement. Exactly. Right. It's not for me to tell them why God or why it is rational to believe in God, because they're the one that made the first truth statement that mm-hmm. it's irrational to believe in God. They need to be able to back up that argument. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really helpful being able to, I don't know, just recognize that, that there there's more ways out there than just blatantly putting out facts yeah. to unbelievers. Right. To have these conversations that are sometimes more effective than just putting out the facts. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they're, they're more like real conversations. Right. They're not just you like talking at a person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another, another question that you can use as well that's similar to asking for clarification Mm. um, is by asking how did you come to that conclusion Mm. Uh, so a good example of this would be the bible has been corrupted by those in power uh, oh yeah all throughout its okay all right yeah so so instead of giving evidence as to why that's not true mm -hmm. to start off with we want to ask them well how did you come to that conclusion yeah that would have been great i i had someone make a statement very similar to that. Like I mentioned something that Jesus had said, and then uh, this person sort of their rebuttal to that was, well, a lot of that was added after any, like after the fact anyway, like he wasn't saying that Jesus didn't exist or anything. Mm -hmm. He was just, I I think the point he was making was that over time, they've just mythicized this Jesus character and, added a bunch of the stuff that he said Mm -hmm. and anyways and and he said it so nonchalantly like it was this fact like Mm -hmm. oh well you know that was all added after anyways and like it totally caught me off guard i was like oh uh 
<laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have anything else to say. Like, I don't know where right. to go from there. I'm like, I, I disagree, but I don't have a good argument for you. You know? Sure. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so the, the conversation stopped right there. You right. Know? Well, yeah, and a lot of times people will... Uh, They'll, they'll say things like that, and they won't fully understand why they think it themselves. They just heard someone else say it before, and so that's they'll just jump onto that bandwagon as well. Yeah. And by asking, well, how did you come to that conclusion, then they're forced to actually you know question their own beliefs sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's important that we do the same thing on, on as a believer. Oh, absolutely. Is, you know, like... Because this can be reversed on us very easily. Right, right. I mean... We, we may say things that we've heard in a sermon or that we've read in a book, right. you know, um, right. and then they ask, well, you know, how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think that? And we may not know, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it very well can be turned around. Yeah. And so, and I feel like that's sort of the process that a lot of believers go through, especially young believers, like going through exiting high school, going into college, mm-hmm. sort of finding that especially people who've been raised in the church like me mm-hmm. and you I guess as you know going through a time of well I, I do believe these things but how have I come to this conclusion yeah like why do I why do I believe these things so anyways it's really good it's good for us to do the same yeah absolutely and I think that's one of the things that led me into apologetics to begin with because mm-hmm. you know I had people in my life who were asking me those hard questions mm-hmm. and I didn't have the mental capacity to recognize that I could be, you know, asking these questions to, to unbelievers to ask them how they, they themselves came to these conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that all, all the time, the burden of proof was just on me, mm-hmm. was just on me as a Christian, that I'm the one that always had to provide the evidence Yeah, that I, I didn't realize that other worldviews also have to give reasons for yeah. what they believe and why they believe it. And that's pretty much where I've been most, mm-hmm. most of my life is, yeah. yeah, feeling like I needed to provide the burden of proof. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, we also have to, as Christians, be, be again, going back to 1 Peter 3.15, right. ready to give the reason for the hope that's within us. Totally. And that's what, uh, that's why I love apologetics so much is because, um, so, okay, I'm, I, I was talking to this, uh, to this another person and one of the things that they were saying is that, you know, isn't Christianity, you know, basically just, you know, it isn't just blind faith. And, you know, why should I make this leap into the darkness? You know, what if we're, what if we're wrong? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's unbelievably comforting to me is that Christianity is, it's not just some blind leap into the darkness, hoping that God is on the other side to catch you. I think R.C. Sproul likes saying that, that phrase a lot. It's, uh, he, he was the one that said, it's not that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really meant something to me. And, and I think one of the things that we can rest in, especially for having doubts, because every Christian has doubts for sure. And the worst thing that you can do with, with someone who has doubts is just say, oh, well, you're just supposed to believe you're just supposed to believe in this blind faith right. that is like, not based don't ask on... questions. Exactly. Just do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think we have to look at how Jesus handled doubters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I think we talked about this a couple of days ago. But the way that Jesus handled, um, for instance, Thomas, you mm-hmm. know, after, uh, after Jesus was resurrected and he came to the upper room where the disciples were and they were, you know, kind of freaking out because, you know, their, their Messiah just died on a cross, you know. Um, and then Jesus appeared to them. And Thomas didn't believe. Like, he didn't believe the, the resurrected Jesus who was standing right in front of him. And instead of getting angry or uh, rebuking Thomas or anything like that, he had him place his hands in in the wounds. Mm-hmm. 
and, and gave him reasons to believe that, no, I'm not just some apparition. I'm not some ghost that just popped up out of nowhere. I am, I am physically here. Here's the evidence as to why I am true. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has done the same thing for us. We have reasons. So like, take, for example, the, the question that your friend had of, you know, oh, that was just added later. Right. Well, we have over 25,000 uh, manuscripts from Greek, Latin, and other various ancient languages uh, of the New Testament that agree with one another. There's consistency. To a margin of error of 99.9%. Okay. And the 0.1% is simply grammatical. It's not theological. It's not yeah. anything else. Like you said, one of the arguments is like, well, that was added later or it was like corrupted and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And by simply stating it's widely accepted by uh, Christian and non-Christian um, uh, historians that we have 25,000 manuscripts that uh, agree by a margin of 99%. Mm-hmm. So just clarify for me. The people who added it later or maybe an off, uh, a common objection is that it was uh, tampered with, mm-hmm. mostly by the Constantine. That was often you know, one of the guys that they say, yeah, Constantine just changed, uh, changed all of the manuscripts to fit his particular agenda. Yeah. One of the things that you can ask them is like, okay, so what you're saying is that Constantine was able to hire these guys who changed 25,000 manuscripts to the point where it even fools uh, scientific methods of proofing today. So like mm. uh, he had people be able to create ink that was the exact same type of ink that these uh, people in ancient times <laughs> were to use. Yeah, uh, They found a way to age the papyrus just right mm. to where it fit. Um, ancient whiteout. Yeah, ancient whiteout and all of these different <laughs> things. But not yeah. only once or twice, but 25,000 times right. to the level of like this master forgery where it even fools scientists today. Mm-hmm. Is that is just making sure is that is that kind of what you're saying? Because once you actually lay out those facts and once you ask for that clarification, it kind of makes it seem silly that that right. would be something someone would believe. Because because in reality, if someone or some group of people had tried to change things and try to tamper and and switch things, then you'd find more inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Like you you would have right. you'd have different copies of the new testament that say different things exactly right exactly yeah yeah and the only yeah yeah so the only differences wouldn't just be grammatical right uh it would be entire doctrine contextual and that kind of stuff absolutely yeah and uh, another thing too is it's really strange that people would think that constantine would or anyone of power would Mm -hmm. would change or did change the new testament in order to fit their particular agenda because the New Testament does not really have that fantastic of things to say about people in power. Um, it usually casts them in a, in a bad light, like with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Pilate and all these mm-hmm. other people. It elevates becoming a servant. Um, it elevates being uh, meek and humble. Loving your enemies. Loving and, your enemies. Right. All these different things that that don't really give rise to benefiting people in power. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of hard to make that case. And yeah. so by, by knowing some of these just easy things that to remember, like the 25,000 manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like more, I feel like I've seen this online, that's more than like Homer's Iliad. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some, some widely Homer's accepted. Iliad, which is the, the next most, uh, the next highest amount of manuscripts is only at, a, a lot of Christians like to say it's only 6,089, or sorry, 689. 
but it's at, it's closer to like 1,800, I think, okay. uh, manuscripts. And so, you know, we don't need to be, we don't need to fudge the numbers. It's it's higher than what most people think. Yeah. But 1,600 versus 25,000 still, yeah. there's a big right. difference there. Right. You know, yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So... Anyway, I think we can probably leave it there. We're we're about an hour into this bad boy. Yeah. Well, man, today was good. I feel like I really feel like there are some tools to add to your apologetics tool belt of having yeah. having conversations. You know. Yeah, I hope so. Um, at least for me. Right. Uh. So real quick, uh, if you want to learn more about like conversational tactics, I can point you to two amazing books that are really good. Um. So one is called Tactics okay. by a man named Greg Kokel. His last name is uh, K-O-U-K-L. Okay. And uh, another bo- another fantastic book is, uh, oh, what's it called? Fool's Talk by Oz Guinness. Okay. So if you want to learn more about how to, uh, how to have good conversations and how to better yourself at having productive talks about mm-hmm. the gospel with non-believers, then those are great places to okay. start. I feel like I've heard of Oz Guinness somewhere before. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, he's a Christian apologist. Um, he comes from the family that started uh, Guinness Beer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. He so has, he's he's Irish, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's an awesome guy. So anything by Oz Guinness is is really good. All right, we should have him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. He wouldn't have time for us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a busy guy. Uh, well, thank you so much. This was really good. Oh yeah, no, I hope it made sense. I feel like I was kind of all over the place there. No, it was times, great, man. Cool, cool. Um, we started a Patreon page not that long ago, so if you want to become a supporter of the Truth for Doubt ministry and uh, support us as we try to uh, share the gospel with unbelievers through this ministry, as we try to uh, bring apologetics to uh, to believers to help them have. Um, more productive gospel conversations, then uh, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash T4D. Four being the number four. Yes. I feel like I had to point that out every time. No, I'm glad you did. Because, because I would. I would. I would. I would. Knowing me, I'll look it up and type F-O-R. Yeah. But it's the too. number me four. Too. Just want to clarify. All right. Um, cool. Uh, also, if you're listening on Spotify, SoundCloud, or iTunes, subscribe and Leave us a, a comment if you like it or if you don't, and let us know. Or, or leave a question in the comments. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Also, if you become a Patreon supporter, you can give us questions that we will start answering next week. We have we ha- I saw that we had some questions oh, this right. morning, but we weren't able to put it on this podcast because it was too soon. Until uh, next time, then. Until next time, yeah. So if you become a Patreon supporter, uh, you can send us in questions that we will answer on our Q&A segment of our next podcast. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, until we... Next time. I was going to start singing there, then I realized that's a horrible idea. So, (laughs) anyway, until next time. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.